please open it to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 21. John chapter 10. I am who I am, says Jesus. Not who the world says I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. These are Jesus' own words about himself. And each one of these statements, these I am statements, reveal Jesus to be the great I am. He is the great I am that you can know personally, who you can know relationally. And this morning on Resurrection Sunday, we're going to look at another I am statement that Jesus makes of himself. And it's in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, he who enters who, I'm sorry, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, all out that he owns, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, for they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out, will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. There was a great division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others says, These are not the words of a man who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is God's holy, inerrant, word. Let us pray. 
Father, I'm thankful that we know as believers that this book, these words, are your very words. They're not the opinion of men who died long ago. But Lord, these are your words, your truth. And these words, Lord, this story, what has happened to our Savior, this is history. He spoke these words to real people. It's not just a story. Not just something we can watch on TV. But these things happen. The passion of the Christ happened. Good Friday happened. The cross happened. The resurrection happened. And Lord, as your people, we need your spirit to move. I know we pray that a lot. We pray it because we know we need him. And we need him to, to take these words and apply it to all of our hearts. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus gives the people here an extended metaphor in these first five verses. It's a metaphor about sheep and shepherds. And then in, the, in verses 6 through 21, he explains the metaphor. And the main point in this whole, in all these 21 verses, is to show that Jesus is the good shepherd. There's a lot of things going on in this passage. But the main point is to show that Jesus is the good shepherd of his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he is. And there are two marks of a good shepherd. Two marks. First, the good shepherd is the door for his sheep. A good shepherd is the door for his sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. This phrase, I'm the door of the sheep, it, 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 these are emphatic words that Jesus is using here. Just like all the I am statements, all these statements that he says about I am this, I am that, they are exclusive and conclusive. Remember, he's letting the people know that he is the only one who can do these things. I am the only door to the sheep. He alone is the door. What does that mean? It means he is the only passageway. He is the only entryway into the sheepfold. If you're going to become a sheep, there's only one way into the sheepfold. One way. And a sheepfold is a shelter for sheep. It's a roofless enclosure. It's usually in an open field. and has walls made of stone. And, and, and the point that Jesus painted for us is the only way into this enclosure, the only way into this shelter is through him. And if you go to a restaurant as a customer, do you go through the back door as a customer? If you go to Chick-fil-A, are you going to take your kid through the back door? You're going to take them through the front door because that's the proper way you get into the restaurant as a customer. And the same is true when it comes to Jesus' sheepfold. There's only one way in. You can't get in through the back door. You have to go through the front door. And Jesus is that front door. The proper door. It's unlawful to try to enter another way. He says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. 
a thief and a robber. These, this man or these individuals that you're talking about here are not good shepherds. They are actually false shepherds who operate like thieves and robbers. And the people that he's talking about here are the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees are part of that group. And in fact, many of those leaders are present right now as he says these words to them. They're, they're listening to him. As he says in verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. The religious leaders, these, uh, the, the Pharisees, they were all on the scene long before Jesus started his ministry. They were all on the scene long before he, he came and, and proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. And what he's telling them you have been robbers in the past, and you are still robbers today, even in my presence. For everything that they do is for self-centered purposes. They didn't, they didn't do anything to benefit the sheep that they tried to steal. One commentator says, they are the ones who are trying, by means of intimidation, to steal the people, to gain honor for themselves. And they did whatever they had to do to do that. These, these are the leaders who come to steal kill and destroy and they do so spiritually they do so spiritually if you know anything about the Pharisees they didn't help people spiritually they hurt them you see they set themselves up as the door for the sheep they, and, and for them as a, for, for the Pharisees and, and many of those religious leaders their doorway to salvation was restricted not everybody got in not everyone was welcome to enter. Only people who met certain standards and only people who followed certain rules could get in. And if you didn't measure up to those standards and to those rules, you were cast out. What happened to the blind man that Jesus healed in chapter 9? What happened to him? He went before the Pharisees. He went with them and shared with them the testimony of what Christ did for him. I, I, all I know is that I was once blind, but now I see. What did they do? They cast him out. They cast this man out. You know what they told this man? They said, you were born in sin. Will you teach us? Get out. These false shepherds steal, kill, and destroy some of you here may know from personal experience of what it's like to be under the leadership of bad and false shepherds. My mother once told me that there's nothing like church hurt. And if you've ever been hurt by the church, you know what I'm talking about. There ain't nothing like church hurt. It goes deep. Deep. And that's the reason why a lot of people leave the church. And some of you still carry that hurt with you. The wounds and scars are still there. But guess what? Jesus will show up. He always shows up. And he shows up, and when he shows up, this is what he says, I am the door of the sheep. I am. I alone am the door. And Jesus doesn't restrict access. He doesn't block entryway. He's a passageway. He's an entryway. And he welcomes everyone and anyone to enter his sheepfold. The question is, do you want to enter? Do you want to enter? He says in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved. You see, Jesus is not a false shepherd. He is not a bad shepherd. 
He has not come so to kill people or to destroy people or to steal from people. He has come that you may have life. He has come that his enemies may have life. Let's put it that way. That's why he has come. So that his enemies may have life. Do you want that life? This phrase will be saved is in the future tense in the Greek. And whenever you see the future tense in, in, in the Greek, that always means something will happen. It's going to come to pass. Amen. It's going to happen. And so what Jesus is saying is that those who enter by me, they will be saved without any shadow of a doubt. It's a guarantee it's going to happen. It's a done deal. That's what he's saying. It's a done deal. If you enter by me, it's a done deal. You will be saved. And it's, this phrase is also passive. Why is that significant? Because it, you're not going to save yourself. Sheep are not going to save themselves. They are being saved by someone else. If you try to enter by someone else, if you try to enter by being a good person, if you try to enter by another religion, you will not be saved. Please understand that. If you try to enter the sheepfold by your own means, in your own strength, in your own goodness, by some other religion, or whatever it is you follow, you will not be saved. You are only saved if you enter by Jesus. He alone rescues. He alone delivers. He alone makes you safe. He alone makes you a sheep. Jesus and Jesus alone. You get this life by him. You don't get it by hanging around his sheep. Just because you got Christian friends don't mean you're a sheep. And you don't get it by going to church. You don't get it by going to Christian school. You're just, you're just hanging around Christians. The only way you get it is through him and him alone. And what does it mean to enter by Jesus? It means you must have faith. Faith. That's how you enter by Jesus. Having faith in him. Saving faith in him. Do you have it? Or are you trying to climb in some other way? Like a thief and a robber. John 3.16 says, For God so loves the world that he gives his only Son, that whoever believes in this Son should not perish, but have eternal life. Saving faith in Christ means to rest, to trust, to surrender, and to depend on him alone. That's faith. It's just not knowing things about Jesus. I know a lot of things about him. I know all the Sunday school stories. But do you trust him with your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? Only when you come to Jesus and save in faith do you enter the sheepfold. Otherwise, you're just pretending. You're on the outside looking in. And when you become his sheep, he gives you freedom. He gives you provisions. For the good shepherd comes that you may have life and you can have it abundantly. Think about that. I have come that you may have life and you can have it abundantly. That there is a surplus 
to what he's going to give you. And this abundance is a reference to the freedoms and the provisions he freely gives his sheep. He says in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. In Christ, there's freedom. There's going in and out. What does that mean? Let's put some flesh on it. It means there's freedom from shame. There's freedom from guilt. There's freedom from sin. He gives you freedom to live your life without fear because there's nothing in all creation that can separate you from his love. He gives you freedom to even make mistakes. Have you thought about that? He gives you freedom to fail. Have you ever thought about that? Why? Because he paid the price for your sins. You don't have to get on a cross with him. Are you experiencing freedom? In Jesus? Or are you, a, are you sitting in a prison of your own making because you're still trying to be a good person to earn what you can't earn? To earn a favor you cannot earn. Trying to earn a love you cannot earn. It was purchased for you through his death. So there's freedom that he gives his people. There's freedom that he gives his sheep. But there's also promises. There's also provisions. There's also pastures. And these pastures that he's mentioned, these, this is forgiveness. This is repentance. This is acceptance. This is hope. This is peace, grace, mercy, restoration, healing, working all things to your good. Is that a green pasture to you? Sounds like it to me. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want for a thing. You shall not want for a thing. The Lord will give you what you need in his own timing. The good shepherd calls his sheep by name. He leads them. He goes before them. These are things that he promises to you. He gives you freedom and provisions for your life. When I go to, the, to a place where there's going to be a lot of people, like the movies, I always want to locate the emergency exit door. Because let's face it, stuff happens. And when stuff happens, I want to exit quickly. And life is the same way. Your life is the same way. Stuff happens in your life. And when it happens, we want to exit quickly. And for many people, Jesus is the way they want to exit quickly. For them, Jesus becomes their own little emergency exit door whose sole purpose is to provide them a safe exit from life's difficult circumstances. When life gets hard, then I can run to my emergency exit door, Jesus, who's going to make everything better. Is that what Jesus is to you? Is that really what Easter is about? Jesus, my emergency exit door, who only is there to help me when stuff happens. And here's the thing about emergency exit door. You don't care about the door until stuff happens. And at other times, you don't even know it's there. Because when life is well, when life is safe, when the kids are well, the marriage is well, the bank account is well, when the country is well, when my bubble is well, 
Jesus on the outside looking inside my bubble. Then when the bubble bursts, then I need Jesus. My emergency exit door to help me out when I get stuck. It's only when life falls apart. It's only when stuff happens that we run towards the door. It's when your security is threatened, when your livelihood is threatened, when your health declines, when you get laid off and the kids rebel, the marriage falls apart, the bills are due. When life gets hard and difficult, then we want Jesus. When it's well, we don't need him. You see, Jesus is not an emergency exit door to help you escape the difficulties of life and the consequences of your decisions. He's more than that. He's more than that. He is the door to newness of life. A new life. To real peace. To real hope. To real love. To real forgiveness. To real freedom. To real provisions. To real comfort. To salvation. And if you want any of those things, you have to enter to Jesus to get them. By faith in him. If you have it already, does your life reflect it? Is he really your shepherd? Or is he just one of many? Or is he just your emergency exit door when your life starts to fall apart? Or as Americans, when we have a lot as Americans, particularly American Christians, Please know the church abroad does not experience what we experience. The privilege that we have. We can also become blinded by our comfort. We can. Is Jesus really your shepherd or is it your comfort? Your money? Your material stuff? Who's really your God at the end of the day? Because if I take that away from you, what is it going to do to you? If it despairs you, then you know what your God is. The thought of losing that one thing is taken from you and it takes you to the pit of despair, then you know who your God is. It's not Jesus. Who is it today? Jesus is the only way to everlasting life. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are all going to stand before our maker. At the end of the day, we are all going to stand before him. And there's nothing that we have done it's going to ever get us into those pearly gates. It's all what Jesus has done for us that gets us in. Why? Why is that? Because he alone made the sacrifice on your behalf. He alone made the sacrifice on your behalf. He's not just a door for the sheep. He's also their sacrifice. He's also your sacrifice. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The second mark of a good shepherd is that the shepherd will sacrifice his life for his sheep. A false shepherd will not sacrifice for the sheep. And Jesus says this in, in, in verses 12 to 13. That the, the false shepherd, is not, he doesn't care about the sheep. He doesn't own the sheep. He's a hired hand. And when the wolf comes, what does the hired hand do? He runs, leaves the sheep. He abandons the sheep because he does not care for the sheep. Only the true shepherd cares for the sheep. 
Only the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And that is Jesus, who will not run when the wolf comes, who will not abandon you when it gets tough. He does so because he cares about your welfare. He cares about your well-being. You see, the, the reason salvation is free and it, and, it, and it costs you nothing is because the shepherd pays a great price. He pays a great price that so you can enter into the sheepfold at no cost. He sacrifices his life in place of your life. And I think we all need a little perspective here because Easter can quickly become a tradition. It's something that we do in the, in the American church. We do Easter egg hunts and nice suits and colorful dresses and bunnies and Easter egg hunts and Easter plays, Easter speeches, and have all these extra worship services during the week. And before long, Easter lose all of its significance. Have you, have you ever thought about the fact that what Jesus suffers during his passion is actually meant for you? Have you thought about that? If you ever seen the movie Passion of the Christ, no, all that was for you. That should have been you. All that, all of what he went through was meant for you. Think about it. Let it touch your heart. Let it touch your soul. The flogging, the beating he received is meant for you. The cross he carried is meant for you. The wrath that was poured on him was meant for you. The nails that pierced his hand and feet were meant for you. For you. Not for anyone else. Not for your neighbor. Not for the person at work you can't stand. It was meant for you. He was the sacrificial lamb slaughtered in your place. Slaughtered in your place. He is the reason why we are made right with God. He sets you free. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, spitten by God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes we are healed. Not by anyone else's. Please know that. No one else would do that for you. And remember, he didn't do that for a son. He didn't do that for a friend. He did that for an enemy. An enemy. You got to look at that from that perspective. He did that for an enemy. He did that for someone who hated him. He did that for someone who didn't care anything about that. He did that for someone who cursed him. That's who he did that for. Because we think that God owes us a favor. We think that God likes, God owes us something. He doesn't owe us that. He doesn't owe you that. Please know that. He did that while you were his enemy. Not when you were in the sheep. He did it when you were a goat. But he made you a sheep. That's the gospel. And it's not sugar-coated. That's the gospel. The good shepherd died on Good Friday. And guess what? He didn't die a victim. Please know that. Jesus did not die a victim's death. His life was not taken from him. He didn't go out like that. 
You're too bad of a man to go out like that. No, Shaft wasn't bad. Jesus was a bad man. So what did he tell them? No one takes my life from me. No one. No one takes it from me. I give it. And not only do I give I have the authority to take it back up again. And he did so on the third day. Now, Jesus would have been a rapper with these words, man. He took man. Talk about Lecrae. That's, that's some lyrics there. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. Drop the mic. That's gospel. Done. And then three days later, he rose from the grave in victory. And that's to your benefit. The world would never understand the, the resurrection. The world would never accept the resurrection because it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It doesn't make sense to them. They think it's foolish. But guess what? That foolishness is our only hope. Our only hope. Our only peace. And we love it. That we have served a God who's right now sitting in heaven. Sitting the net to the God the Father. And one day we know he's coming back for his own. Living, he loves you. Dying, he saves you. Buried, he carried your sins away. And rising, he has justified you freely forever. Freely forever. So you can stop running. You can stop pretending. You can just trust and depend upon him. In verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. This means that there's a relationship between Jesus and his sheep. Like the relationship Jesus has with his Father, he offers that to you. Not to be your emergency exit door, but so you can be in relationship with him. And he promises to shepherd you through the valleys and mountaintops of this life forever. Please know that. You're never alone if you're God's sheep. Whatever struggling you have, whatever things you're dealing with, whatever issues you're dealing with, you're not alone. You're never alone. On Thursday, there was a, uh, a memorial service for uh, a young girl, eight-year-old girl named Lacey. Uh, she lost her, her battle with cancer uh, this week. And, and during her battle, she met a Michigan State basketball player named Adrian Payne. And the two of them met in one of her stays in the hospital. And what I love about the story is that the, the two developed this beautiful relationship over the past two years. And during this time, they would text each other and encouragement. And, and Lacey, um, Adrian would take her to some of the basketball games. And even when they won the, uh, the Big Ten championship, he took her on the court to cut down the net. And so they shared this brother and sister type relationship before she passed away. It was truly a special bond. And Adrian, in an interview he did with the, the newspaper in Detroit, he says this of her. She calls me her Superman. But she's, the one, but she's the one who's got the super strength. She's incredible with everything she's gone through. The doctors told her she couldn't walk again, but she did. She's just an incredible fighter. And if I can bring her a little bit of happiness to help, forget, help her forget for a while, then that's what I'll do. You see, Adrian never promised to take away her cancer. Never promised that he was going to make it all better. But what he did, he simply shared his life with this little girl. He spent time with her. 
And this is a picture of what it means for Jesus to be your shepherd. He will be there by your side in the midst of the disappointments, in the midst of the sickness, the deaths, wars, the struggles, the sufferings. He will be there. See, the passage that God provides his people is never one of a pain-free life. It's never a life filled with all the material things that, that your hearts desire. It's a, a pastor that says, you are never alone. You are never forsaken. Even though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil. For Jesus is with you. His rod, his staff will comfort you. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Truly goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. You see, your life and all the circumstances and situations that you're going to face in this life are never outside the eyesight of your shepherd. He sees it and he cares about it. Like pain, this Adrian Payne did for this girl, Jesus will show up and walk with you through them all. Before she passed, Lacey said this of, of Adrian. She said, Adrian is my brother. I just think of him and I smile. When you think of Jesus, do you smile? If you know he's your good shepherd, you will. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the good shepherd of the sheep. And I thank you so much that you rose from the dead. And right now, you still intercede for us on our behalf. You're still our shepherd. Not in the past, but currently you are. And my prayer for myself and for everyone here, for all your people celebrating the resurrection today, that they would know what it truly means to have you as their shepherd. That they don't have to fear evil. That you will be with them through the highs and lows of life. No matter what their people are dealing with, whatever struggles they're dealing with, they are not alone in those. You will be there. And I thank you so much. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service?